Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory Podcast. I know lots of things, except how to ad-lib. So, welcome everybody. Yeah, yes, everybody welcome. Well, most of you are welcome. welcome. Yes. There are very, very few of you who aren't welcome. And those of you who, are, who aren't probably aren't, aren't listening to us anyway, so... Ah, there you go. Yeah, like uh, Charlie in Bainbridge, Idaho. Yeah, you're not welcome. And Zach. Oh, <sighs> did you have to? Yes, I had to go there. Just, <sighs> just Zach. That's <sighs> grief. Just Zach. You know. You had to remind me of that, didn't you? Mother. F- hmm. Get Zach. Okay. So. Anyway, hi, hi, hi uh, everybody except uh, Charlie and Zach. Oh, sh- I forgot about Heather. Well, we all do. That's true. So, yes, hi everybody. Welcome to the Pie Factory Swearathon 2020. Yay. Yay. I swear. Okay, so with that out of the way, once again, this is your congenial co host, Jimmy G. And this is the other co host, Sean, bringing you episode 114. Yeah. Yay. So, how have you been, Sean? Um, I have been. I I don't know. I don't know how to answer this. I'm alive. I'm healthy. I think kind of bored because today was kind of a boring day mm-hmm. and God knows this podcast will help. Won't it? Um, um oh yeah. It's always ignites my enthusiasm. And enthusiasm. Uh, yeah. Oh, I went to a other arcade. Oh, so yeah, that's two episodes in a row. And I visited an arcade and ergo some kind of sense of almost back to normal. Okay. I made a long overdue. I made I made I made a seriously long overdue visit to Pixel Blast. Oh, do tell. Uh, literally the day they o- they reopened after the uh, the shutdown, and it also coincided with their anniversary. And it seems to me they only get there on their anniversaries, and I feel kind of bad about that. Yeah, and the thing with me is I don't know if anybody's if I I don't remember if I mentioned it on the podcast, but I do have a job finally. And my previous job, I wasn't too far. I wasn't horrible far from Pixel Blast. I was really close to Prince Arcades. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, I never really got to Pixel Blast as much as I would have liked to. I mean, it's still there, you know. So, I mean, I could still get over there. Yeah. It's just not as easy of a trip as it once was. Although, like, Ogden Avenue is pretty much starts right near where I work. So I could just take that on in, I guess. It's about 10 miles. I'm still kind of kind of waiting to go back to the arcades until I really feel safe going. Sure. And what's really sad is uh, is the Galloping Ghost has gotten a couple of games I've been really looking forward to them getting. Oh, dude, don't even get me started on that. Yeah, I'll just say one off the top of my head is uh, Solvalu, which is the the 3D um, sequel to Xevious, which does not emulate properly in Mame. It crashes oh. after like two minutes. Pretty much every version, every ROM I've tried, so you really can't play it. Even though it's based on the Starblade hardware, which Starblade's a game we should put on the list. So yeah, it's um, I really like that game, but it's just I, without being able to play it in Mame, and the fact that nobody has had it in the Chicago area since I played it back at, as far as I'm aware, back at the Aladdin's Castle at Louis Julia Mall way back when. Yeah, that's going to be kind of a hard one to review at this point. Like I said, that's one I really do want to talk about. We should probably pair Solvalu and Starblade. But, uh, oh, isn't it Solvalau? 
You know what? I have to double check that. I think you're right. I think it is soulful out. Because <laughs> you, you, you mentioned that one time. Right. And of course, that raises the question. Is it supposed to be pronounced soulful out? Or is it that they literally typed that word into the voice translation software? And that's what it spat out. That's entirely possible. You know. I mean, I don't know how those things work. I, I'm, I'm just a podcaster of... Just a, just a fan. That's all. I'm just a podcast. And oh, um, yeah, and and of course the thing that uh, talk about really sticking your bad timing in your face. Oh, they also got the most recent addition to Galloping Ghost, friggin' Daytona USA. Oh, oh my God, goodness. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's like man, why? Why not? Why? Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I no, I, I'm with you there. I'm with you. I wonder if they listened to the podcast. <laughs> I, oh, dude. Oh, Doc, if you're doing if Doc, if, if that's your game, <laughs> not cool, man. Not cool. <sighs> that's awesome, man. Oh, wow. So yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, though. I, I felt perfectly safe in Underground Retrocade because uh, they're really good about, uh, you know, enforcing facial coverings and the, uh, um, uh-huh. What's that, the goop you put on your hand? The sanitizer. Yeah. Sanitizer, yep. And and all that. And uh, and Scott's always been good at maintaining the games. I, I've always, always, always seen him or whoever was working that day just like every few minutes get up and around just wiping things down. That's nothing new. It's They've been doing it all along. Mm-hmm. And something interesting, like I, uh, I don't remember if I mentioned exactly like my uh, experience going to Underground Retrocade uh, when it first reopened after the shutdown, but... First thing you do is you go in and uh, you get uh, zapped with one of those little thermometer guns like mm-hmm. they do at Disney World now. And uh, it's very blink and you miss it. So uh, you don't even know what's happening. Uh, and you have to put the goop on and everything. And you have to keep a two cabinet distance minimum from other players. And I think I just I saw that uh, Yestercades of Red Bank in New Jersey which I, I love that place. I haven't been there in, two, in a long time, but that's a, that's a great place. They have similar rules, except they added one more thing. Hmm. Once you leave, you can't come back. Like, no re-entry at Yestercades. Oh, wow. You mean same day? Yeah, same day, yeah. No same day re-entry, which... Oh, wow. I, I don't know how that's going to work, because, man... Unless you take a train into Red Bank or, or something else, that's mm-hmm. a real problem because your parking meter will expire. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm, they might have an app now for their parking meters in Red Bank. I don't know for sure. So that way you could just m- maybe do it from your smartphone. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, man, because I worked in Red Bank actually for a couple of years. And yeah, there's nowhere to park anywhere near downtown Red Bank, including the side streets that aren't metered or permit the only place i could i could park was where i worked so mm-hmm. it's like oh man and yeah so that's that's that might be a ch- anybody who's been there or if uh, the anybody who works at yesterday's red bank if you can confirm for us that they have uh, gotten into the 20th century with their meters over there and made them electro uh, uh smartphoneable that would be great pie factory at fabvorit.com and when I went into Pixel Blast, this was interesting because I walked in the door. I don't know the guy who was working behind the counter. It wasn't TJ. TJ? It wasn't TJ. <laughs> and it wasn't Paul. It was uh, somebody I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. But I, the first thing I, stepped, I set foot in there, he said, 
stop right there. Before you come any further, I need you to look and read the rules that we have on the wall here. And it was just a, an eight, eight and a half by 11 piece of paper with their rules saying, I agree to abide by the following. I'll keep my face covered at all times. I will use the hand the sanitizer frequently, et cetera. It's and pretty, pretty standard COVID-19 stuff. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. The first thing I had to do was <laughs> uh, read that. If only and, more uh, places would do that without getting into politics and the insanity that's yeah. going on right now. Yeah, but yeah, I walked in and read as like, hey, I got my mask on right here. I, I don't want to get people sick. So yeah, I got no problem with not getting people sick. So yeah, I went in and I might have a target on my back. Uh-oh. I might be in deep trouble. They unveiled on the arcade floor a new game, a li- yep. literally a new game, and it is actually called Pixel Blast. They have been teasing that one for a while. They have been. I have vague recollections of of seeing it before in some kind of in some form or another. But that was the official debut of it. Now, I had gotten to Pixel Blast pretty, pretty late. It was like late afternoon, and everybody I just about everybody I knew who was going to be there had already left like uh, King Henry the eighth. He was already gone. Uh, Jeff Lee, uh, excuse me, a uh, King, uh, George the third. Third. Yeah. He was, he had left already too. The only person I saw there whom I knew was D Alex. I've, I'm, I finally met another one of our Patreon, Patreon sponsors. Oh, wow. In fact, the whole time that he was there, when I was there, he was playing the pixel blast game. Yeah. And they were doing a thing where if you, uh, place either first or second in the high scores on uh, pixel blast you win a prize so when i saw he was playing it, i was like yeah dude i'm not playing there's no way i'm gonna beat him and uh, he was in second place so it's like okay i maybe i'll try for second place when he stops playing pixel blast so he's playing it and he's actually pointing out all kinds of strategies that he uses like he's not one of these i'm not telling anybody any strategies he's actually saying here's why i'm doing this here's what i'm doing over here here's what i'm doing there and here's how you want to maximize your points and so when he was done i followed his advice to the letter mm-hmm. and i beat his score oh no so i called i think it was was it terry i think who was there that day i called him over and said hey i'm i'm done i think i I beat uh i beat dan now and uh he walks over he said yeah you also beat james <laughs> i was like wait james so yeah james white i was like oh <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah you're i'm you're I'm in dead. deep doo-doo <laughs> I'm dead. So that actually put me like a step more ahead of it. And they said, yeah, here you get two free passes. And uh, before you leave, stop at the counter because we're also giving you a T-shirt. So, so yeah, I got two free passes to Pixel Blast and a T-shirt. And I hope that I use at least one of those passes, uh, pandemic permitting, of course, <laughs> before their next special event. Because I would like to get out there just because just to go there sometime. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, and oh, I I talked about the Pixel Blast game. I might as well describe it a little bit. In short, it's kind of a combination of Eyes and Nibbler, both of which we've talked about in the past. If you look up Pixel Blast on the web or on their Facebook page, they have a little like fuzzy character kind of thing. And that is the character that you control in the game, and you're being pursued by enemies that look like you, but they're different colors. And you have to pick up these little flashing gem kind of things and the flashing gems give you power to blast 
the other characters, maybe they're pixels. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) And it's basically, I think it's a two-way blast or a four-way blast. I think it's a four-way. And the more you blast in one go, the higher you score. And your job is basically to collect all of the gems, whether they're flashing or not. But the flashing ones give you the power. And when you collect all the gems, you advance to the next screen. And uh, D. Alex's strategy was to use your powered gems as much as you possibly can and zap as many enemies as you can to build up your score before you move on to the next level. Because when you move on to the next level, your power resets to nothing. Mm -hmm. So it's worth it to spend some time there and point press, essentially. And that's a fun game. My kudos to uh, Spencer for doing it. In fact, Spencer, the developer, he was uh, there watching people play, and he was kind of t- making mental notes. He's like, oh, maybe I should move the joystick over here. Oh, it's mm-hmm. an ambidextrous joystick, too. Oh, so it's, it's by. Like, okay. Yay. And before I left, I was like, hey, dude, here's a suggestion for you. Like, like when you run out of power and you try to uh, use it when you don't have it, you should have like a little sound effect or something he's like oh that's a good idea <laughs> but that was that was a fun that was fun and uh, i oh one thing oh the dude who uh stopped me when i walked in he i that's the first time i ever saw somebody wear a face shield it, it was it's like basically it looked like a stormtrooper but with the transparent uh covering over the face so i was like oh like that's a SWAT, interesting uh, a swat team member yeah kind yeah. of sort of thing a, ri- a riot shield looks like a riot shield anyway that's that's what i had to say um, I really do hope to go to Pixel Blast again before their next event. Yeah, I do too. That's, yeah, I'm not going to go into the whole thing about how all the arcades in the Chicago area are different. I think I did that last episode. And um, so, have you been oh, the other any- thing I got to say is, I, fi- oh. I for the first time in a long time, sorry to interrupt, but first, before I forgot, which I already before did. You forgot? Uh, yes. I was playing Ms. They actually have a Ms. Pac-Man there that's not a high-speed version. That's hard to find really? these days. And man, huh. do I suck at it. I oh, suck. Boy. I, I can't play anything but the high-speed. I got I to gotta practice or something. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you'll see. You go to Underground Retrocade, you'll see my 760,000. Yeah, that was the high-speed variant. I can't. <laughs> I, I have never, ever made it to the fourth maze on Ms. Pac-Man that wasn't either high speed or modified for five lives. I, I can't. I've never done it. So have you been playing any games at home? I have been playing a butt ton of Baby Pac-Man on the 7800 because now I'm addicted to it. And for those who don't know, uh, Sean just recently released a new episode of the 7800 Homebrew Podcast, which he talked about Baby Pac-Man. I did? Yes, you did. Oh, I guess I did. But yeah, yeah, I'm still playing it like a week after it's released because, man, it's, I, I, I mean, it, it is a crappy Pac-Man game, but it is so addicted. Addicted? No, addictive. Okay, the game, you, what you mean is the game itself is fun, but the Pac-Man portion of it and is is not that great, but it has nothing to do with the wonderful job that Bob DiCrescenzo did oh, yeah. recording the game. That's that's actually something that was a feature of the arcade yeah. portion yeah, of it. I, yeah, because... There was approximately a 30-year time difference between my last game of arcade Baby Pac-Man back Uh in the 80s and my first one again in modern times. And I was stunned at how badly they did the maze. It's like, okay, this is definitely not a hack. 
of Pac-Man. I was I was just offended at how bad Midway did that. But the thing yeah. is, now I'm hooked. <laughs> well, the game as a whole is fun. Is 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 great. It is. It really is. It's just, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's just, a package. They didn't make it look good, but yeah. man, and as long ugh. as it plays good, yeah. So so I played that, and I think that's all I've well, I've I've been maiming Mister Do as usual, and I I now have the is entire he in the hospital yet from you maiming him. No. Oh, okay. No, no. Uh, I will well, report you to g- the proper Mr. authorities. Mr. Drew is one of those don't take me to the hospital kind of things, let's just say. <laughs> and the thing about that is I've, I now have a high score table that's all at least 300,000. Wow. But it took a long time to do that. I can't consistently get that high. I'm and lucky if I can get one free life in that game. And I want to, um, th- I, I, I think I want to open up Addenda and Errata right now for Uh-oh. my next comment about Mr. Do. So Hyde, go ahead and drop it in the thing right here. Thank you. And there we go. And um, I mentioned previously, I think it was Diary of an Arcade podcast I was listening to, in which the idea that maybe the character's name is supposed to be pronounced Mr. Doe, because mm-hmm. it might that. be the scale when you collect the uh, apple, or no, you collect the cherries. The cherries, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely Mr. Do, and I'll tell you why. Just the fact that there is a game in the series called Do Run Run. Do yeah. Run oh, Run would yes. make sense. Yeah, so, you're right. I forgot about that because of the... There you go. What was... Uh, I, I don't remember who did the original. I know Sean Cassidy did the remake. That was uh, uh, The Crystals. The Crystals, okay. Phil Spector Girl Group. Okay. So, yes. that Yeah, that makes more sense that it's uh, Mr. Do. And yeah. I know Vic Sage listens to the podcast, so... Vic, I am so sorry. He, on the on their Facebook page, they, he made mention of uh, Crater Raider recently. Oh, really? And he uh, said that he had first heard about the game from us. Wow. Yeah, so... Well, regardless, Vic, I apologize that you have to put up with us. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, oh, Jimmy G, do you have any addenda errata, or you want to answer the questions you asked me? I'm going to answer the questions I asked you. I haven't been to an arcade. I have a job, and uh, which I already answered that. And as far as I have what a job I've been too? playing, uh, as far as what I've been playing, I uh, purchased an in television off of eBay. Did I mention that last episode, or had I not? Yet? Um, I, I don't, don't remember. remember if you- I think you you had purchased it, but you hadn't gotten it yet. Yeah, well, I received it. I got it. At first, I thought it wasn't working uh, when I hooked it up to my TV, uh, which this thing was sold as is, untested. But then I realized it's a channel 3 or 4 switch on the device, which it's usually 2 or 3. I I don't ever remember (laughs) many things being 3 or 4. So it was in the channel 4 position, so I switched it to 3, and it works good as gold. The obvious problems that befall older consoles like you gotta clean off the contacts on the cartridges sure and i have to say yeah after having played uh with the ColecoVision, atari 5200 and in television the ColecoVision is the best controller out of the three i'm still up in the air which one i hate more the intellivision or the 5200 mm. uh, they all have their points against it i my biggest problem with the Intellivision controller isn't so much the disc, although that does take a lot of getting used to. It's just yeah. how thin and um, insubstantial the controller feels. If, to me, it feels like you could snap it in any at any moment. I can dig that. And uh, it's, I, in my opinion, the least comfortable out of all of those controllers to hold. 
just because of how thin it is. And the fire buttons just don't have any action at all. Let's, let's just be perfectly honest. All three of the consoles I mentioned, all of their controllers suck. So saying the ColecoVision is the best of the three is damning with faint praise. Yeah. So, um... And you know what really surprised me? I don't know of any third-party Intellivision controllers. There were some. Wicko made some for the original oh, really? Intellivision. You had to crack open the Intellivision and unplug the stock controller from the motherboard. Yeah, it's a nine pin, so yeah, that's I, is it I actually, a standard is it a standard DB nine or is it just a not just a like a nine pin on the inside? It's arranged like a standard DB nine. It doesn't look like it is, but it actually looks it, it, it I mean the thing is it doesn't look like a typical DB nine port because it doesn't have the little lip around it. Uh-huh. Okay. But what, but I noticed that like when I had an Intellivision, I actually, for a brief time in two thousand six, I, I actually took it apart to see if I could stick a heat sink in there because I mentioned before how I had a problem where it was constantly overheating and the graphics were getting mm-hmm. all messed up. And I noticed that the, I thought that the controllers were hardwired in, but they're not because you, if you expose the motherboard, you see that they actually plug right in. Yeah. And the Intellivision 2 uh, controllers were detachable. They, those used the standard DB9 ports, as it were. I don't know about the NTV3. That was a later one, which actually, that one also had the Intellivoice built in. But uh, Oh, it so, did? Ooh. I got like about 10 games with it. I, I got it for a steal, like 75 bucks. Um, and it's it, not and, bad. Yeah. and it works fine. Does it have and the Intellivoice? It does not have the Intellivoice. Oh. And it had a good selection of games. The only d- difference is that it had two copies of Space Armada for some reason, which that's <laughs> a take-it-or-leave-it Space Invaders clone. Yeah. Uh, Space Attack... Took a little bit. You, you know what? After all years of playing Space Battle on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, which is the M Network version of the Intellivision game, it took me a while to get used to the you actually using the keypad on the Intellivision because I just got so mm. used to learning how to do it on the on the Twenty Six Hundred. But it's still a fun game. The one thing I noticed is the way that all of the keypads on these are are made. It's like across the top, one, two, three, next row down, four, five, six, you know, blah, blah, until you get nine, and then you got the asterisk, asterisk, zero, and pound keys on the bottom, like a telephone. And then the Intellivision, you have to put the um, the overlays. Even games that don't need overlays have overlays, which I never really understood. Atari was actually worse for that, I think, though, on the 5200. They had overlays for Space Invaders. <laughs> was it Space Invaders, or was it another game? Might have been Galaxian. At any rate, um, so I'm playing... Space attack. And I'm like, I hit the number one button on the keypad, you know, without reading the instructions. Because, yeah. you know, you got the, the, the overlays there. And the game is just, like, horrible hard. And I'm like, what the hell's the problem? Did the same thing with Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, which is the reason why I wanted the Intellivision in the first place. This came with that, fortunately. It was, like, the same thing. It was like, why is this so freaking hard? And then I read in the instruction manual, you don't press the number one key to start on the on the easy level. You press the number three key. Huh. Which every other console, it's number one. Number one is the easiest. Exception of maybe the Atari 5200, because I think that, since that was more based on the um, the Atari 8-bit computer, you used the uh, the option key. Or, or not the option, but the uh, the asterisk and the, the pound key to, ch- to, ch- to scroll through the options. So I was like, kind of, once I, once I put them on, did hit number three on both of them, the games became a lot easier, which, hmm. I mean, at some point I'm going to play them on harder difficulty sure. for now to start out, you know, you want to do the easier. And I'm like, th- th- that just really threw me off. The console itself is fine looking 
fine looking. I mean, the graphics are fine looking. It has some actually pretty good sound. I'm kind of impressed with it in a way. And um, what other games did I get for? Space Battle, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, Space Astro Smash, or yeah, Astro Smash, which. Yeah. I that was like I think that was the first game, maybe the second one that I plugged in because I was kind of curious to play it. When you get to a certain point in that game on the Intellivision, I don't remember if it was on the Atari version, you're earning lives so fast yeah. that the game becomes boring. And I turned it off at like I don't know, 200 some thousand points because I was just bored with it at that point, which is kind of weird because I love the Atari 2600 version of it. Hmm. Well, you know the story behind that game, right? With the uh, with the hidden asteroids game in there, yeah, which yeah. comes up every once every however many hundred times you reset the game. Yeah, like basically you fry the system or something. And it yeah, to unlock it because they they programmed the game, but instead of taking the code out, the guy just put like a bridge over it, you know, like yep. a, a code bridge, so it wouldn't wouldn't launch. There's no way to get it legitimately on yeah. the on the console. So I know people I'm, have I'm, hacked it out and. So, you can play it separately. Let's see some what other games did I get for it. I got uh, NASL Soccer, uh, which I haven't played yet. That's the biggest drawback with at least the early Intellivision games. I don't know about the newer, the later, later release ones, but all the sports games were two player only, which really sucked. Hmm. I don't have friends, so Intellivision was not the console for me. Uh, what else did I play? Um, Hover Force, I believe it's called. Which I need to play that again. I had to read the instructions. I read the instructions afterwards to figure out what I was doing wrong with it. Uh, Thin Ice, which is a bit of a cutesy game, but you hmm. need to learn how to play it. Never heard of it. Yeah, it's a later. It's a later release. Um, what other games? Sub Hunt. I tried playing. I can't get the hang of that one, even after reading the instructions. Uh, Triple Play, which is like three stupid little games, like a. a I don't even remember what they are now, and I played the game. It just It's just stupid. Was it like one of the grandmother games? Oh, I'll get Jimmy this game, because it's cheap. Yeah, it's got like, um, there's like a, a car racing game, which is like the, reminds me of the Atari 2600, um, not slot cars, but it was a racing game that you controlled with the paddles. It was two players at the same time, top-down view. And there are two other games, they were all equally lame. Uh, gosh, what was the other one? There was another one that I played. Oh, Kems with Star Strike, which mm -hmm. is a game that I've seen a bazillion times, which I just cannot get the hang of. I think you need the, the IntelliVoice for that, don't you? Not, not Star Strike. Not Star Strike. Oh, okay. Oh, it's uh, Space Spartans, I'm Space thinking. Space Spartans, of. Bomb Squad, and B-17 Bomber. Yep. Uh, let me think. What was the other one that I played? Uh, I know I haven't gone through all of the games Man. yet. Yeah, I haven't heard you mention Poker and Blackjack, which is... Poker and Blackjack, I do have, yes. Okay, yes, because I think that was the pack-in. I believe it was, actually, at least at first. I think they changed it later on with the later models, but yes, I do have that one, and I tried playing it, and it's... I don't know, I need to play it a little bit more. It's Poker and Blackjack, I mean... So far, I still prefer the Atari 2600 version of, of Blackjack, which is oh, really? on Casino. Uh, which was, that was kind of swift the way that that was all done with the paddles. So that was kind of neat. So overall, I, I do like it, but I want to get some more games for it. Um, I'm looking for, uh, oh, it's also got Lock and, I also got Lock and Chase, but I haven't played that yet. But yeah, I'm going to get a few more games before I, um, I'm, I'm going to get a few more games for it. Let's just leave it at that. And I'm looking at some of the homebrews. Somebody did a homebrew of the old, uh, 
uh, of the old game uh, Desert Bus. Oh, really? <laughs> <in> television. <laughs> I think there's a 2600 version of it, yeah, too, now that there's definitely it. a 2600 but, Yeah, there's version. an Intellivision version of it, too, which I kind of want to <laughs> get for no reason. But um, that game was the most ultimate troll of all time <laughs> in the video game industry. Well, it, I'm just... I only disappointing thing about that game is it was never actually released. It was on a... Penner and Teller CD-ROM game for uh, for the Genesis or for the Sega CD, and it never got released. It got canceled because Sega stopped supporting the, the Sega CD at the time. Mm. And um, oh wow! But uh, so yeah, I've been having some fun with that. And um, uh, I got a surprise gift for my Intellivision on the way from one of our uh, from one of our listeners. Oh really? Who, yeah, I'm, I'm blanking on the name right now. But I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna wait and uh, wait to, to see what it is, and uh, castigate them when I get it. No, and then give them credit, <laughs> give them credit when I finally get it, because I think I might know what it is. And if it is, oh. that that'll probably lend a whole new church key, uh, control aspect of control to the system. If it's what I think it is, I don't know. Yeah, I know that back in the. <clears throat> Yeah, I know Ferg said it's okay to say that now, but I don't care. I'm not going to say it. Uh, back in the 80s. Way back when. Way back when. I know that there was a little add-on you could get for the controller to snap a little joystick on top of the yes, disc, was- and that worked really well. Yeah. And I know that they make that somebody makes similar things now. I think they make little ball-top joysticks that you yes. can snap on. And I, I found during that short time I had an Intellivision that advice that you actually proposed on Atari age, I think oh. helped make the control better. And that's that you don't use the disc as a D pad really, hmm. but you just kind of like slide your thumb into position instead of like, like you kind of ro- rotate it into position instead of just trying to like make it as a, make it like a D pad. You give me a lot of credit for things. I don't ever remember doing. You have to remember that. I'll take the credit. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I need some positivity. And I was in my like, life. "Oh, that makes a huge difference." But yeah, yeah, I hate those fire buttons, though. It's it's a those good are way. The, those are the absolute worst thing about that controller. Yeah, and then a close second is just how thin and flimsy the controller feels. Yeah, not necessarily feels, but how it, it it kind of looks. It looks more flimsy than it actually is. But I still feel like I'm going to break it in two. Mm. So but. that's what I've been doing. I have kind of tailed off on World of Warcraft again. So, oh, my. Yeah. Well, because I'm working now. And I'm going to be working a whole buttload of hours. Oh, which, by the way, we need to mention, uh, before the next episode comes out, I might be working a different shift, which will affect our recording schedule. But uh, we will let all of our listeners know how we will deal with that in the future. Of course. Once that event uh, comes upon us. You've been warned. Future events such as these will affect you in the future. So that's all I have to say. And uh, do we have any other addenda in errata? Or is that Uh, pretty much it? I want to think there was some news, but I don't... Um, Oh, boy. Um, Shoot, was there addenda in errata? I don't remember. Um, I don't have any pickups, so nothing new in that regard. Yeah, I had a pickup before, and now today was your time, your turn to have a pickup, and it wasn't really so much a pickup as it was an arrival in both of our cases. Or did or did you actually pick up the Intellivision? No, it arrived. Ah, and to prove it, it's here. Yeah, I got nothing else. Should we talk about uh, maybe some uh, video games, specific ones? Sure, let's talk about some specific ones. What shall we talk about? 
Oh, mercy. Um, oh, mercy. Well, let me see. Um, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I can't make up my mind. So I don't have a coin handy, but I do have a what was supposed to be a corrected copy of Chicago Transit Authority 50th Anniversary Remix on CD here. It turns out it's not. Um, I'm not going to rant about that now, but uh, I'll use this as the coin. Uh, the label side will be heads. Okay. And uh, the playable side will be tails. Um, okay. Let's see, heads, it'll be my game. Tails, it'll be your game. Okay. So, let's see. Oh, he actually did it. And it's heads. So, that's me. Ah. Ah, tis. Tis. Ah, yes. Congo Bongo. Woohoo! Congo Bongo. Huzzah! Arriba, arriba! Congo Bongo! Yes, Congo Bongo is a 1983 game from Sega, which is a platformer kind of in the vein of Donkey Kong with some elements of Frogger thrown in. The only controls on the console is a joystick and a jump button. I believe there's a jump button on each side of the joystick, so those of you who are by should uh, have no problem playing this game. Well, theoretically. Uh, The object of Congo Bongo... Well, Bongo is a mischievous gorilla who lit Sam the Explorer's feet on fire while he was sleeping. So Sam must exact his revenge on Bongo by traversing four different screens before the bonus timer So we're talking about bi-transvestites? Is that what's going on? Yeah, pretty much. okay. um, That's cool. Hey, you know, we're inclusive. Yeah. So there are four main screens in Congo Bongo. Now, in the arcade version... The screens actually don't have names. The names were added, actually, by, I believe, Coleco for the home ports. Maybe it was also by uh, Sega for their home ports. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get to the home ports in a minute because, oh, boy, does this game have ports. Ooh. So, Congo uh, Bongo has four different screens. The first one is Primate Peak. You have to climb to the top of the of the mountain to reach Bongo while avoiding uh, the coconuts he throws down. There's also a ledge where um, there are monkeys, like, just... I don't know, wandering around, having a good time. They're gallivanting. And uh, if three of them catch your player, they will throw you over the edge, uh, killing you, of course. If you keep hitting the jump button repeatedly, it'll free, uh, free your explorer. I think you have to hit it like three times to lose a monkey. Yeah. So, um, touch my monkey, love him. Um, oh, yeah, I didn't see that coming a mile away. Yeah. So, uh, the next screen, the rest of the screens, the well... Not the next one, but uh, this next screen and the last one are have a lot of Frogger-type elements in it. So Snake Lake is, um, you have to get from the l- lower left of the screen to the bottom go at the top right. And so it's um, a com- is there any, th- do you have to uh, do anything in particular at Snake Lake so, uh, to, to make sure that you uh, don't get killed? Why, yes, you have to jump. You okay. jump from your starting point to the islands in the middle, and islands are connected by narrow pathways, and snakes are wandering all over. Oh, and uh, so you then to, you do have to. Um, you have to jump over the snakes. Oh, ho, 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 ho. you are. Yeah, a caution. you gotta. Yes, you are a caution. Okay, drop it in. Watch out for snakes. There we go. We got it. It had to be done. Yes, yes, yes. So thanks, Arch. At the very end of the screen. Well, not the very end, but uh, to get from the islands back to where Congo is uh, standing, you have to jump on the back of a hippo that dives every now and then, and then you know go up and get to Congo. Congo Bongo. Uh, the next screen, this, I hate this screen. Uh, Rhino Ridge. Every version of this game that has it, which is really, I think, only the arcade and the ColecoVision, this screen is a pain in the ass. 
it looks like the easiest. It's basically a flat plane with uh, some holes in it, with a few little pits, with a bunch of rhinos charging your player, and you can dodge the rhinos by jumping over them or by uh, taking refuge in a pit. Now, if you take refuge in a pit, a little guy eventually will come out and fill the, fill the pit up, uh, killing you. So you got to watch out how much time you spend in a pit, which is mm. story of my life. Uh, and then at the end, you know, climb up, get you. to Congo. The first three screens, he just, like, goes away before you can get to him. Now, the third screen is Lazy Lagoon. This is a 3D isometric ripoff of Frogger, if I've ever seen one. This one, Bongo was actually sleeping at the top of the screen. And so you got to get to Bongo by jumping on lily pads, hippos, and finally piranhas. And then there's a couple of rhinos that are charging just below Bongo, so you got to jump over those and then climb up the cliff. And then you give Bongo his comeuppance. You set his foot on fire. And that's how you play the game, uh, scoring. Uh, <laughs> that's not how I play the game. I can never get that far. I play it badly. Um, <laughs> this is not an easy game. This is really deceptively a, a deceptively hard game. The first screen isn't way too hard, but the rest of them are just... Rhino Ridge, that, that, that screen is insanely hard, no matter what level you're on. So as far as scoring goes, you get 10 points for each step you tick. You tick, you take. Yeah. Not for any, every move you make, though, or every breath you take. When you jump onto a hippo, fish, or lily pad, you get uh, 100 points, and that increases by 50 points each round. Going into a hole on Rhino Ridge gets you 1,000 points. If you, well, if you jump into it. Uh, if you jump across a chasm, which there's a couple of them on the first... There's, well, I, guess, yeah, I guess there's only one on the first screen. That's uh, 500 points. And then at the successful completion of each round, you're awarded the number of points remaining in the bonus box. Just like Donkey Kong, it has a timer. So, ports. This game was ported fairly widely. In television, had a port, which I was actually just watching the No Swear Gamers review of the Intellivision port, and it's pretty bad. Um, <laughs> the, um, well, you, you know what, I shouldn't say that, though, because... The exception of the ColecoVision one, they're all pretty much pretty bad. <laughs> and Conspiracy! I never yes, I never thought I would see uh, it flickering on the Intellivision, but the Congo Bongo on the Intellivision actually flickers. And um, interesting bit of trivia, Congo Bongo is the only game Sega made for the Intellivision. Huh. And of course it was on the Atari 2600, uh, which I think is actually an underrated port. I don't think it's terrible. It's not good. It's not great by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a very minimal playable. The first screen is sort of isometric. It's in a, in a way, there's a little weird patch like at the lower part of the screen that you have to manipulate. But if you've played the Congo Bongo in the arcade, you'll know what to do. The second screen tr changes um, perspective entirely, so it's no longer sort of isometric. Now it's you're viewing the action from behind uh, your explorer guy. And it's only two screens. Pretty much every port is only two screens, with the exception of the ColecoVision and I believe the SG-1000. There was a port for the Atari 5200 and the Atari 8-bit computers, which is awful. The Sega SG-1000 port is interesting because it totally scraps the idea of 3D, of the isometric perspective. Totally. It's just Wait, like... which version again? The Sega SG-1000. That's okay. Yeah, which right. um, I can actually play on my uh, Sega Master System because I... I don't know if it was patched, but the Master System is basically the SG-1000 with a souped-up graphics chip, and it's easy to convert games from the 1000 to the Master System. Yeah. And then there's the best version of all the home versions, the ColecoVision port, which has three screens, and um, 
That's that's actually a really really good port. I've heard some people giving it uh, giving it some uh, sass, giving it some guff, oh. giving it some guff. But uh, I like it. I think it's the only it's the only really 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 good home port. Other ports, uh, computers. I already talked about the eight hundred, which Atari fifty two hundred, Atari eight hundred. The uh, Commodore Vic twenty had a port. Commodore sixty four had a port. It was on the Apple II, the TI-994A, and there was a boot disk for the PC that was released. Not a whole lot of trivia about this game. It didn't really do as well in the arcade as they were hoping, which is kind of a shame, because I, I, even though I suck at this game, I do kind of like it. But uh, the according to the cutting room floor, that was it net, I believe it is, tcrf.net, the logo for... Ikigama Shushinki Company Limited can be found in the rest of the title graphics, but it's never used. Um, that company actually developed both this game's hardware and program code. Aha! Uh-huh. Which is might, might be why you never see this game on any uh, classic collections of uh, Sega games. Hmm. And it was actually released in Europe uh, under a totally different name. It was released as Tip Top, which, I don't know. So, that is Congo Bongo. Is it now? Yes. And remember, knowing is half the battle, and the other half is extreme violence. Yojo. Yojo. So, Sean, what do you think of the game? It really did surprise me when I was uh, reading about this game and saw that it wasn't successful, because I seem to remember this was a core title. This was everywhere. Yeah. I I remember that, too, actually. Maybe it explains why nowadays it's not easy to find. At least by us in, in our area, Galloping Ghost, I think, is the only arcade that has it. I don't think mm-hmm. anybody else has it around here. Yeah, I don't know. Um, pretty sure Retrocade doesn't have it. No, unless something happens in the uh, last three weeks or so. I think the Ghost is the only place that has it. Yeah, it's... Um, the thing, I always remember this in pretty much every arcade I went... Well, no, I can't say that, though, now that I think about it. I can only think of one arcade that I saw this in. And that's the first place I played it, which is the arcade at uh, Marriott's Great America. Huh. Um, which is where I, the first time I also played Food Fight. I know I've played it in the arcade since then, though. Oh, good news for Ferg. They have this at Crabtown, USA. Oh, there you go. So I know where he's going once this is all over. Yep. And I, there's an observation I'd like to uh, mention here. Oh? Think about it. You literally lose a life when you lose a life. I mean... Safari Sam, you see his ghost ascend apparently into heaven because he's a good boy. That's true. But think about that. Congo gave him a hot foot. It was just a practical joke. So here is Safari Sam risking his life over a practical joke. Is it really that freaking worth it? He's just trying to do the same practical joke on him. But is it worth risking your life to get that kind of revenge? Oh, I can think of a lot of people I would uh, like to risk my life to get revenge on. Uh, okay, fine. Fine. I'm sorry. I was dreaming for a moment there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's cutesy. It's whimsical. You know, that's what they're going for, whimsical. And nothing yeah. says whimsy like risking your life to play a practical joke. You know? Yeah, that, that is true. So, um, so what do you think of it? What do you think of the game? Well, here's the thing. I really don't think I ever played the game back when it was uh, first out in the 80s. I saw it everywhere. I just never played it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm playing it in preparation for this episode. Mm-hmm. And I was actually enjoying it quite a lot and thinking, okay, this is like Donkey Kong if Donkey Kong were better. 
Because I'm going to be quite honest. I'm not a fan of... In fact, I'm not a fan of a lot of Nintendo stuff. Mm-hmm. The only Nintendo things that I truly like are the original Mario Brothers and the arcade Popeye. Anything else Nintendo, be it hardware, playing cards, whatever, I really don't care. I don't. I just can't dig it. So to me, this was a more pleasing version of Donkey Kong, had mm-hmm. more depth to it, literally and figuratively, and... Not only that, but it also has the same timing elements, or not the same, but similar timing elements to uh, what you have in Donkey Kong. Because in Donkey Kong, you can't just rush up to the ladders and hurry up and get to Donkey Kong. You have to have a timing and strategy going on. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Congo Bongo. And yeah, I mean, and I, I think it was a fun game, and I liked the effect that the monkeys had. I mean, it, it was such a cool mechanic that they put in. I love the sound of uh, the soundtrack in the game. The, That's a good uh, soundtrack. Yes, absolutely. Do, 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 do. It gets under your yep. skin after a while too, though. But um, well, yeah, the thing is, I, I don't last long enough in that game for it to get <laughs> under my skin. The one thing with this game, unlike Donkey Kong, the first time I played this game, uh, I was actually able to get past the first really? screen, and um, took me. Like I could pretty much get past tries. the first screen every time. Uh, I think it's a little bit easier than Donkey Kong at the beginning, but once you get to that third screen, Rhino Ridge, it's like the difficulty just spikes for that one screen. Yeah. And I hate that screen because that's if I get past this the what what was that? The Snake Island screen? What the hell did I call it? Snake Lake. If I get past Snake Lake, Rhino Ridge will kill me. It's very rare where I when I get to the lazy lagoon screen. Because Rhino Ridge is the the way that those you you gotta be like have your eyes open you got to see all of the rhinos, how they're charging at you. You'll, you can jump over one, and then um, it'll, like, stop, and then immediately change the direction and get you from, get you from the, the opposite direction of which you were heading. And um, while you're trying to jump over one that's charging you from another direction, and you've really got to pay attention on that screen, or you will just not make it. That screen, you don't want to go for the easy, quick completion. Hmm. Because that's... You, you really got to get all the rhinos into the big wide area of that screen and not just in the little area at the corner where you have to go up the cliff to get to Congo or get to Bongo uh-huh. or Congo Bongo, whatever you want to call it. Um, the gorilla. The gorilla. The monkey. So, yeah, um, I really want to like this game more than I really do. <laughs> I like it. Don't get me wrong, but I just, just the difficulty just keeps me from really... The spike in difficulty really keeps me from liking this one a lot more. Graphically, this is a great-looking game. Tis. It's a great-sounding game. There's some control issues uh, because it's isometric, and I know there's some people out there don't like a lot of isometric games, but uh, I think this is one that, uh, it, yes, there are some times where it's been hard for me to judge where I'm jumping to, especially in uh, the ladder screens. But uh, for the most part, I don't have too much of a problem with it. But... Um, yeah, that spike in difficulty really gets me. And uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a wimp at this game, which is true. I'm a wimp at most games, but uh, yeah, I don't know. So hmm. so yeah, you got any high scores for us, John? I personally do not because I suck at the game. Uh-huh. But yeah, I never make it past the second screen. But uh, however, Orcade.com, A-U-R-C-A-D-E. Oh, I did, I've, oh, before we do that, I did oh. forget to mention... Forget to ask you, uh, where was the first time you ever, or first place you ever played this? The first place I ever played it was Galloping Ghost. 
Aha. First place I ever saw it, that'd be Bally's Aladdin's Castle at Lincoln Mall in Manson, Illinois. The first place I, first time I ever saw it was on Starcade. Ah, yes, yeah, Starcade. Yep. But according to Orcade.com, and again, that is spelled A-U-R-C-A-D-E.com, Joel Snavely has their high score at 402,540, performed June 1st, 2019, at the same place where I first played Congo Bongo. That's Galloping Ghost. Yay. And according to Twin Galaxies, on their scoreboard, they have Jason Cram, whom I know we've mentioned before in this podcast, a million... 6,300, and his uh, video for adjudication was submitted July 21st, 2003. Congratulations, Mr. Cram. Cram. Mm. Yes, so. So, uh, I guess I have to ask you at this point, what are you going to rate the game? Oh, that was a weird sound. Um, Let me see. I... All right, despite how I, the praise that I heaped on this game, especially in comparison with Donkey Kong, which might be unfair, might not be, because let's face it, that's probably what they were trying to do over at Sega or or Ikigami or uh, whoever is responsible for it. I'm still just going to give it a three, but I could possibly be possibly. Uh, nudged over to a four out of five continues. I'm not going to try to nudge you. Because I'm giving it a three also. Okay. It, I think I've made my reasons perfectly clear, so I'm not going to repeat them again like I am want to do. So, yeah, so just a three. Um, I just still play three. it from time to time. Sure, we all do. <laughs> but uh, it's not in my top tier of favorites. Aww. I do like it. I, I, I think I play the ColecoVision version more. Then I do the arc. I admire version. how clearly you said ColecoVision version because that's yeah. hard to say. ColecoVision version, television version, yeah. Mm-hmm. Atari fifty two hundred version, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so there we are with that. And I think with that we should probably move on to the other game. Oh, the other game, which is seven hundred and twenty degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, there's uh, or Kelvin. Uh, they never say it might be. It might be Kelvin. Awesome. But it's never actually specified. That's a hot game. It sure is. Throat clearance coming up now. <clears throat> ahem, ahem. Ah, 720 degrees. Ah, 720 yes. degrees. Yeah. Whatever we're saying this year. You are correct, but sir. But this is a video game from Atari Games released in December of 1986. And uh, just filling time with technical details here. The... The sound effects are in mono, and the music is in stereo, and the game was programmed in the Lisp programming language, Ooh, which I think was pretty unusual. Uh, it was pretty unusual for an arcade game, because I'm pretty sure most arcade games were programmed, at least back then, were programmed in uh, like the Z80 machine language or whatever processor that particular machine would use. I remember when uh, we interviewed Doc Mack. We were in his the the Galping Ghost office at, yes. the, at the time, and uh, saw the source code for Rampage sitting yes. there. And it was all programmed in machine language, and I swear to God, the um, thickness of the of I don't know, is that a file or whatever? It was like the, uh, it, it was, was like bookish in a was, way. It was perf- it was perforated paper, I think. Yeah, but the thickness of that stack of perforated paper must have been eight in eight to ten inches. It was pretty thick, yeah. It was, oh God, yes. I mean, it, it's amazing 
Now, granted, all that stuff is generally printed like in three small short columns. So it's, you know, if it was printed in a normal book, it'd be a fraction of that size. But uh, yeah, that was really quite impressive uh, how much code went into that game. Yeah. Yeah. And I th- well, actually, I think Food Fight was programmed in C. But yeah, this 720 was programmed in Lisp, which was a really old language at the time. But um, anyway, uh, before I get into the actual game, I want to talk about the control panel and the cabinet. Uh, the cabinet is a really weird looking thing. It's not your standard like wooden cabinet with a um, embedded monitor and control panel and everything because the actual main cabinet itself, it's kind of narrow and the monitor is wide. I mean, it doesn't look quite as weird as say xenophobe, but it's still, it, it still sticks out pretty much. The marquee on the cabinet looks like a boombox, and that's I actually love that. I, that is that's, awesome. This is one of my favorite looking cabinets in the arcade. This and Tapper are two of the oh, best yeah. looking arcade cabinets. And Tron, I got, I got to give Tron. Is True, my Tron with of all, all of them. the uh, pseudo neon on yeah. the cabinet is really awesome. But yeah, the marquee is basically a boombox, and that's also where the sound comes out. It comes out of the marquee. No. Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah, shocking. As for the control panel, it contains an ambidextrous joystick, but it's not your run-of-the-mill joystick. It's actually kind of a rotary joystick. It's attached to a spinner or a trackball or something. So it's not just it's not an up-down, left-right, diagonal joystick. You actually move it around in a circle. It's closer to a spinner like uh yeah. it, it behaves like a spinner like Tempest. Yeah, anyway. yeah. On both sides of the joystick, on either side, you have the inner buttons are jump and the outer buttons are kick. And by kick, we don't mean hit something with your foot. It basically means that's how you skate. You have to, every time you hit the kick button, your character uses his foot to push forward. So that's what that is. And the left buttons also double as start buttons as well. So let's uh, kick it economy there atari did that several times where the where one of the action buttons actually doubled as a start button so that way they didn't have a separate player one player two thing which in retrospect made a lot of sense and i mean it didn't it didn't save that much money in the construction of the cabinet but uh from uh just a pure i don't know efficiency standpoint i guess it makes a lot of sense yeah now, your player, what you control, whom you control, actually, is a skateboarder, and you control him moving around Skate City, which is this... I don't know how to describe it. At first, I want to call it a skate park, but it's not... The way the game works, it's not really a skate park, but it has four separate skate parks. It has some shops, and it has little obstacles you can skate in and on and over and under and things, and some fountains and things. And uh, it's an isometric view, so that's another isometric game we're talking about uh, this episode. And uh, you start the game with one ticket and $100, but zero points. And the money is to be used at the shops to upgrade your equipment. And there are two different ways that you can earn money. You can pick up a loose dollar bill you see floating around Skate City, which is... A lot harder than it looks, <laughs> at least for me. It's probably not worth it because you only get $1 a pop. And you can also win money at a skate park by doing some maneuvers and stuff. You will wipe out a lot, very likely, at least when you first try. 
720 degrees and there's no limit to the number of times you can wipe out, but there is a timer. There is a progress bar timer and wiping out costs time. You're going to be out of commission for a few seconds. The skater will always recover, whether it's just a simple wipe out off the skateboard or the skateboarder might actually get hit by a car. He'll come back just as quickly. You only get one life, though, and there's only one real way to lose your life. Oh. What you're doing is you're skating around Skate City, really, but you need to get yourself to a skate park before that timer runs out. If the timer runs out, then there's a little message that flashes that says, Skate or Die, and there's a voiceover that echoes that message. Skate or Die. And there's a message on the bottom of the screen telling you to get your butt to the nearest skate park. Uh, I don't think it's in those exact words, though. Uh, and suddenly you're being chased by a swarm of killer bees. You can try to outrun the killer bees, but the longer you do that, the faster they get. And if you don't get to a skate park, they will get you. And a lot of times the swarm will suddenly start taking the shape of some kind of a weapon, like a sword or a pair of scissors or like jaws or something. Uh, that's a pretty comedic effect there. So basically you got to get to a skate park before the bees catch you while you are maneuvering around skate city. Now you don't even have to be in a skate park for this. You can actually earn points by doing jumps. You can do some aerial maneuvers for some extra points. You can jump over water hazards for even more extra points. Basically, the faster your moves, the more points you build up. I mentioned before that you can go to a shop and get your equipment upgraded. And there are four shops, each of which specializes in one particular upgrade. There's a shop where you can get new shoes. And the new shoes will help you jump higher than normal. You know, if I think really hard, I could remember my first pair of shoes. Mm. Mama said they was my magic shoes. There is a shop where you can get pads, which will last you for approximately 28 days. Oh, wait, sh my notes are wrong here. Sorry. Uh, knee hold, pads. Hold on. Knee pads. Knee pads. Okay. Sorry. Uh, anyway, these pads will help you recover from wipeouts quicker. Quicker. <laughs> no. Wait, quicker is an adjective. It should be quicklier. Yeah. Quicklier. You Okay. Uh, you can upgrade your helmet, and uh, the official word from Atari Games is that upgrading your helmet makes you more aggressive. But how does it make you more aggressive, really? It just makes you spin faster, which I guess is good for bonus points, because if you execute, say, a 720 in the air, you'll probably get some really nice bonus points. If you upgrade your skateboard, that'll help you go faster. And upgrades at first cost $25.00. And then after you get all your upgrades, you go to a skate park and um, you can further upgrade for more more money. I think it keeps doubling until you reach $250 per upgrade. But that's what the shops are for. Uh, in addition to the, uh, uh, by the way, the fountains, the obstacles, the shops, the skate parks, there are also spots in Skate City that'll give you a map. It's, you skate over the map and there will be a map of Skate City presented to you on the screen and it'll have one of those you are here thingies that you see in the mall and so that way you can uh, uh, quickly make your way to wherever you want to make your way if uh, you're skillful enough to do that quickly i'm not me neither 
well, you need to get yourself some upgrades. Get yourself a board, an upgraded board. I'm not skilled enough to earn the money to get upgrades. Well, you're, you you start with a hundred bucks. You can afford all four upgrades up up front. But. Not saying I can't. I, I, I'm not saying I don't have the money. I'm just saying I I just can't do it. Yeah. Well, something I was watching a video. I could never do this properly, but I was watching a couple of YouTube videos of people playing this. You don't even have to stop at the shops. You just have to like skate right by, right in front of them, like over That's a little true. mat. So That's that true. way you don't waste any time. You just go zip and you're upgraded. Uh, but you, what you really got to do though is get into one of those skate parks, and there are four of them. Uh, you have to have a ticket to get into a skate park. And basically, you're, you start with a ticket, like I said before. Your next ticket is awarded when you score 5,000 points, and then 15,000, and then 25,000. And from what I can tell, every 15,000 points after that. And there is a constant message on the bottom of the screen letting you know what the next score is when you get a ticket. So anyway, the four skate parks each has a specific structure. There's a downhill skate park, and uh, you basically skateboard downhill on some really big ramps. I and mean, what more can I say about that? And the faster you get to the bottom, the higher your score, and the better your chances are of getting a medal. You can earn medals at these skate parks, either bronze, silver, or gold. And if you do really crappily, like I usually do, you don't get a medal. <laughs> There's Slalom, which is my least favorite of the four parks. I hate that park because I suck <laughs> at it. Uh, I suck at all of them, so. Well, I suck the most at Slalom. That's my suckiest by far. I think we should probably stop using the word suck right about now. Why? Because it sucks. Oh, okay. So anyway, like I said, uh, skate between the yellow flags. Well, actually, I didn't say that. I was about to say that. You skate between the yellow flags that are scattered in the the. Uh, the parks on the ramps to get some extra time. And I've never gotten extra time because I suck. Uh, let's see, there's a ah! skate park in which you jump, which really isn't that much different from the downhill park, except that the ramps are shorter and you're expected to jump from ramp to ramp. And you don't actually see the ramp that you're jumping to because it's just not on the screen yet. And the screen's constantly scrolling and trucking and panning and things. But there are little indicator marks that kind of hint you as to where you should be for the safest location to make your jump. And your goal is basically to land on a target on the next ramp. And if you land on the target, you get some nice points added to your score. And um, yeah. And the other skate park is the ramp park, which I don't know. I think that's not really a good name for it because it's more of a half pipe. I was going to say, yeah. But they call it ramp. And basically, you, like the girl in the free falling video, that's pretty much what you do, except if you can do some tricks that'll Being add to your by score. Tom Petty, for those who aren't in the know. Exactly. Dude, oh, man. I, she I, was I got, pretty cute in that video, whoever that oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. skater was. Absolutely. I had a crush on her. Hmm. And the ramp has a time limit. Uh, There's no such thing as finishing early. You just do as many tricks as you can in the, uh, the (laughs) that's what he said. (laughs) But Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, I was about to say, I sometime recently, I finally bought a copy of full moon fever and I'm really glad I did. That's a great album. Uh. I need to get that one. I've heard people. uh, No, actually I've heard my brother. My brother has that one. I've, I've, I've heard it from him. But I've heard people describe that as uh, another traveling uh, Wilburys album. Well, it's Tom Petty produced by Jeff Lynne. Jeff so, Lynne, yeah. right? 
But yeah, it is. It is a cool album. The re- weird thing about it is, it's never been reissued. Like you buy really? a copy of Full Moon Fever, it's the same master from oh, way wow. back when. That's that is really weird. You'd think that you would think an album that was as popular as that one, yeah. would have had a remaster. Yeah, it has not had a remaster. Speaking of remasters, speaking of remasters. I should yes. talk about different ways to score. I think I kind of already talked about that, though, how you can score points. Uh, while you're skating around Skate City, when you jump and you do aerials and things, you score uh, anywhere, say, between 100 points and 600 points. Uh, the more dangerous and impressive your jumps are, the uh, higher your little scores will be. Uh, skate parks, you get bonuses for finishing on time. And when you do tricks in the skate parks, you get extra points as well. Uh, you get even more points for qualifying for a medal. And uh, yeah. One other thing I should mention, at the beginning of the game, you have to choose your level, either training level or experience level. Right. Uh, the, you base, you're given a little platform that you have to skate around. If you skate toward the bottom, it means you're using the training level. And if you skate up the ramp, it's just a short ramp to another platform. Mm-hmm. That's experience. And that just means how challenging the skate parks are going to be. Okay. And spoiler alert, uh, I tried experienced once, and there's a reason I tried it once and only once. So you're not experienced? I, I'm not experienced. Is that your answer to, uh, to, uh, Jimi Hendrix's question? Dude, I just, just, uh, a week or two ago, I picked up a vinyl copy of Electric Ladyland. It was, uh, the 2010 reissue. It is mm-hmm. freaking amazing. It sounds fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, 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 just, I just noticed that I never had it. I have it on CD, but my turntable was really dying for a copy of it. So I went to the store and I, I saw a 2010 pressing and I Googled it and it got rave reviews. Yeah, it deserves the rave reviews. It sounds amazing. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's um, anyway. Hmm. As I was hmm. saying, uh, there were home versions of 720 Degrees. Which is kind of weird, given the control scheme. Well, yeah, I'll tell you what, though. I had the Commodore 64 version, uh-huh. and it was really good. It, w- it, it was very playable. In fact, I played. that's the version that I was familiar with before I ever played the arcade version. When I first played the arcade version, I was like, oh, my God, how the hell are you supposed to play this? <laughs> But yeah, the 64 version is very, very cool. I highly recommend it. Uh, it's published by U.S. Gold in 1987, and it was released on both floppy disk and cassette. Oh. And the thing about the cassette version is that on one side of the tape, it has the game, mm-hmm. and on the other side, it has the audio soundtrack from the game. Oh, wow. So, okay, I, I have to say, just like all the Atari arcade games from this era... Paperboy, Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. Temple of Doom, Gauntlet, or what you know, what have you. Uh, this hardware has always had great sound. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, absolutely. The, uh, the, your your skater in seven twenty says uh, says some stuff, and uh, it sounds just like. Uh, I have a feeling, a hunch that the skater in seven twenty is the Paperboy. I was about to say this has a Paperboy vibe because of the things that come after you. And the it, it almost looks like they actually took some Paperboy graphics and stuck them in there. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, by the way. Mm-hmm. And especially because like the game has weird, uh, an unusual control scheme, kind of like Paperboy did. There's a lot, I see a lot of Paperboy in this game. But yeah, going back to the home version. So US Gold did uh, 720 Degrees for Commodore 64, ZX Spectrum. Wait, was that ever was ZX Spectrum ever released uh, uh, in in the United States? Don't believe so. 
Okay, then that make that ZX Spectrum then. And U.S. Gold also did the Amstrad CPC version. And on top of all that, U.S. Gold published in 1989, 720 Degrees Part 2 for the Commodore 64. That's the, oh, I don't know of any other two. version of Part 2. I didn't do a lot of research into that, so I don't know if it's just uh, kind of like more the same or if there's a, a little twist to it. Mm-hmm. Don't know. I'm sorry. Uh, there's a, uh, let's see, Mindscape did a version for the NES and Midway did a version for the Nintendo Game Boy Color. Now, I wanted to see what all these versions looked like, so I was looking through YouTube, and when I put 720 Degrees Game Boy Color, the very first return that I got was the worst game ever made for the Nintendo Game Boy Color, 720 Degrees. <laughs> I mean, I've, I don't know what the other games look like on the Game Boy Color, so I can't say for sure, but I do have to say this. I think that that version is actually closer to the arcade version really? in terms of what you do than all the other versions that I, hmm. that I watched. Because, well, for one thing, I think it's the only version that allows you to select between training and experienced. Mm-hmm. The other versions, they don't. You just start right in. Hmm. Uh, oh, there was also a version made for the Atari Lynx. There's a prototype for it that was never released. I could have sworn it was released. Well, it's not listed on Atari Age at all. Huh. That's, hmm, let me look hmm. here. There's a post from 2015 uh, oh, really? on Atari Age. Well, there's a screen cap on atarigamer.com. I don't know if it's from the Yeah, action. I think you're right. Oh, holy shnikes. I did not realize this was not um, released. And it's not listed on atariprotos.com. Uh... I think he only lists protos that he has his hands on. Oh, or really? His hand, or not necessarily ones that he's owned, but ones that he's actually uh, had, has, uh, has actually played. With. Yeah. Okay, it says here it was never completed or released on atarigamer.com. Oh, really? Is that where it says that? Yeah. Huh. Uh, well. Looks like it would have been pretty slick. There's only one screenshot here, but uh, it looks fairly slick. It does look pretty good. Mind you, again, I don't know what other Atari Lynx games look like, but it does look it, it does look better than the Game Boy Color. Having said that, the playability, I don't know. I don't know. I find a lot of these ports for the Game Boy Color were not that great. Hmm. Just the company that ported them. I mean, I think I believe I've talked about the Marble Madness. Well, that was for the Game Boy Advance, though. But it was Marble Madness and um, I believe it was Gauntlet. no. Was it Marble Madness and Klax, or was it Gauntlet and Klax? Well, Marble Madness uh, on the Game Boy Advance, I talked about how half of the levels are missing, which is quite a crime because there's only like six levels in the game to begin with, and then how there's only like 50 levels or something in Gauntlet. I can't remember which one was worth getting because the version of Klax was spot on. Hmm. No better version of Klax than the Amiga version. I will forever say that. The Game Boy Advanced version, I would say, is probably gives it a run for its money. Not saying it's better, because I have, don't have experience with the Amiga version, but the Game Boy Advanced version is extreme. There's really not been a... T- we've talked about it. I still don't believe there's really been a horrible, horrible port of Clax for any home system. I don't care much for the 2600 version of Clax. And I could, and I could get why, but from the gameplay standpoint, it's pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just visually It's a boring-looking game. Yeah. It's yeah. not boring for me. It's just I just can't follow it. It's just yeah. hard. 
7800 version is good. It's unfinished, but it's really good. It's oh, still gosh, pl- it's great. very playable though. Yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you didn't know it was unfinished, you would never know it was unfinished. But, right. Yeah. Like if you were trying to remember that, the Master System version of Clax. So yeah. Uh, so Jimmy G, where was the first uh, first place you ever saw Clax? Well, remember? Oh, no, 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 no. Seven twenty degrees. <laughs> Sorry. You remember how you were mentioning how they have surf lessons in New Buffalo, Michigan? Yeah. Which is you know Warren Dunes State Park is right there. Well, if you go a little bit north of Warren Dunes, you get to the town of Bridgman with their their city uh, city park, which is Wico Beach. Which I talked about in our Targ episode, which is the yeah. first place I played Targ. It's also the first place I've played 720 Degrees. Oh, okay. I'll have to see if it's still there. My wife and I are planning to go back there uh, to uh, New Buffalo. The next day month. before uh, we had the lockdown here in Illinois, we took a road trip to uh, Bridgman, Michigan. Wico Beach is still there. Oh, okay. As is the bathhouse where I played these games. Oh, were the games still there? Couldn't tell you. The house was, ah. bathhouse was closed. Ah. Because this okay. was like March we went. So yeah. why would it be yeah. open? Wife and I were just in New Buffalo for uh, Independence Day weekend. We're going back. We're going back because we ended up canceling our California trip. The beaches in Southwest Michigan are so nice. They, they really are. We we had such a good time. That's why we're going back. But yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, back to uh, seven twenty degrees. I all right. I am not one hundred percent sure. The first time I ever played the arcade version. May have been at the Aladdin's Castle at the Louis Joliet Mall, but I don't remember for sure. It may have been in Seaside Heights, New Jersey at uh, Flashbacks, where they didn't take care of their games at all. It may have been at Yestercades of Red Bank. It may have been Galloping Ghost. I don't remember for sure. I Hmm. really don't. Because every time I played the arcade version of this at the arcade, it intimidated me. I was like, yeah. It's a, yeah, this is a fairly intimidating game. And it's very hard to emulate. I mean, it's, it's emulatable, but I even plugged in um, my uh, Atlantin controller with uh, uh-huh. the USB adapter and all that. And I still couldn't quite get the emulation down. So, yeah, you, you really got to play the arcade version this is another game i got to try with my coleco super action controller it's got the little spinner on it oh yeah that might be that might be a thing Hmm. yeah well it well definitely is a thing but whether it works or not well well, the problem with the emulation is like it's you have to adjust the analog input or else you're going to be spinning around like nine thousand rpms you know this is this is a hard game to play in emulation. It's very hard it, to play. It really is. Any game with a spinner, you have to futz with the controls a long, yeah. long time to get it just right. And this game is no exception. I'd say this game is probably worse than most games in that regard. And by the way, those of you who are emulating, because obviously you can't make it to an arcade in a lot of places for various reasons, you pro- I recommend the Revision 3 ROM, and I'll tell you why. Because oh. the 720 ROM, the Revision 1 ROM, and the Revision 2 ROM, I notice that when you're skating around Skate City, you're only going to accumulate points for only like four or five moves, and then suddenly you don't score anymore. Revision 3, though, you keep scoring as many, really? score as many times as you want. Hmm. It's Because uh, I was playing it with the uh, other ROMs, and I was like, how the hell do you ever get another ticket? Unless you're like getting a at least a silver medal in the skate park, hmm. I was like, "This is freaking impossible." So I watched a couple of YouTube videos 
and I'm noticing people are are like constantly hitting the jump button through Skate City, and they're getting 200, 200, 200, 400, 300, 300. It's like, how the hell are you doing that? It stops after like four or five for me. So I tr- re- revision three. Revision. I tried revision three, and that did it. Interesting. I will keep a note of that. That's good to know. Please do. Please do. Ah, that's the note I'm keeping. So an F sharp. F sharp. For more information, tune into chapter 23 of Autobiography of a Schnook coming soon. But Ooh, anyway, we have some um, high score records for this. Uh, Orcade.com. Oh, do uh, Mike Stevenson scored 423,900 on December 1st, 2018 at Galloping Ghost Arcade. And according to Twin Galaxies, they, uh, by the way, Mike, Mike Stevenson has the number two record at Twin Galaxies. I think it's slightly higher than his arcade record. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron, per, I don't know if it's pronounced Perlman or Perelman, P-E-R-E-R, bleh, P, no, bleh. no, not Ron Perlman. Oh, not, not Hellboy. Dude, dude, I was following Ron Perlman on Twitter thinking I was following Nick Offerman. Really? I don't know how the hell that happened. I was like, wait a minute. Because they look so much alike. I like Ron Perlman, the actor. Because I, I, I know nothing about the guy. He was th- the Beast in the TV show Beauty and the Beast. Well, I never he watched was, it. Uh, he played, uh, he was in Alien Resurrection. Never watched he it. He was Hellboy in uh, the two Hell, the first two Hellboy movies. Never saw it. That him. was the role he was born to play, I have to say. What else was he in? He... Um, He's been in a lot of things, and he just, I like him as an actor. He just has fun with his roles, hmm. and you can tell every time you see him on screen. But I don't know if, I don't know how this Ron pronounces his name, but it's spelled P-E-R-E-L, man. And uh, he scored 527,100, and that score was submitted on June 17th, 1987. So it was pretty soon after the game was released. So, yeah. Uh, Jimmy G, let me ask you uh, a question again. uh, On our system of one through five continues inclusive, how many continues do you rate 720 degrees? Oh, wow. Um, hmm. I'm going to rate it a two. Really? Please explain. The, The cabinet looks great. It's got great sound. It's got great visuals. I love the visuals in this game. But I just don't find it very fun to play. And it's probably because I suck at the game. But yeah, I just don't find this game that... Maybe if I was better at it, I would change my mind. But I just can't get into it. It's it's just not my kind of game. I'm lucky if I score... If I can get a a bronze on any of the... In any of the skate parks. I've gotten silvers a couple of times. Luckily. That all having been said, though... I'm going to try it with revision three, though, see if maybe that might change my opinion, because I had not even thought about... Uh, I usually play the first uh, first oh, yeah, round revision yeah. of any of these games, because it's the first one. It's probably the one you're going to find most often anyway. But uh, I'm going to try to ROM three revision and see if that changes my uh, mind on this game. But uh, for the time being, it's I, I can't rate it higher than a two. I, I can get, I gotcha. I, I can see that. Having said that, though, I'm going to rate it a four. Wow. It might be a little bit of bias coming from me because I played this on the Commodore 64 mm-hmm. back in 1992, and I was loving it. And I think that the whole the whole thing about having such a bad time in the arcade version was simply that 
suddenly I had a different control scheme. Like the mm-hmm. Commodore 64 was built for one button controllers. That version was built for one button controllers. You didn't have to use a kick button. You just move in the direction of the joystick. Mm-hmm. And the fire button on the joystick controller was just the jump button. And so that probably makes it a little bit easier. But I go to the arcade and I have this joystick that's actually a spinner with a stick on it. Yes. And that just totally throws my mind off. You got to know to expect that if you're going to be able to make any progress whatsoever. Oh, one thing I am glad that that we decided to do, well, I think I pushed for this more than you <laughs> to cover 720, is that I got to learn what those dots were. Because I was like, oh, there's a swarm of bees coming after you. Oh, because I always wondered what that was in the Commodore 64 version. I was like, what, <laughs> is that a poisonous gas cloud or something? No, it's bees. It's the same. I, I, and another reason why I think the that the skater in this game is the Paperboy from Paper from Paperboy is because it has the same bees. Oh yeah, yeah, true that. It's got, I, I think this is a. I think this is kind of sort of sequel to Paperboy. I can dig that. Curious as if Atari stole the idea from uh, from another person again, like they did with Paperboy. <gasps> allegedly. Ooh, good question. <laughs> Oh man, I'm so glad that dude responded to my message on Facebook. <laughs> the, oh, the paperboy guy. Yep, yep. That was I was thrilled to hear from him. Man, that was great. He's like, yeah, they did rip us off, man. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but, so yeah. with that, should we? Uh, you want to do the theme, or should we read Eugenio's email? Let's address Eugenio first. Alrighty. Uh, saludos, Sean E. Jim. Uh, saludos, or, Eugenio. Saludos, Sean E. Jim. Yeah, I think it's Yim in uh, Spanish. I think the J be, is pronounced like him. My, oh, it might be him because I think it's two L's is the kind of the E. Like, I wish llamo, I studied llamo. Spanish. I studied French in high school. I studied a little Spanish in college, but not enough to be considered by. But um, oh, Steve Martin joke. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Steve no, Martin I think again. it's. Uh, I think it might be him. But uh, either way, I'm gonna pronounce it uh, Chicagoan. Salado, Sean, Sean White, Jim. So, um, that's the Chicago language. <clears throat> yeah. So, I hope you guys are doing well with all the craziness that is happening with COVID-19. Miami is absolutely crazy with more than doubling of cases in 10 days. We went from 18,000 cases to 47,000 in that time. That's insane. At the time I'm writing this, Florida alone has more new reported cases each day than China, Japan, Korea, Vietnam, Thailand... Malaysia, Indonesia, the Philippines, Australia, and the entire European Union put together. I honestly have no words to describe how I feel about this. Please, please, please wear masks, stay at home, unless you really have to go get something you need, wash your hands, and stay safe. Let me interrupt here. I just want to remind all of our current listeners and notify our new listeners. Eugenio is a doctor. He's a freaking doctor. He knows what he's talking about. He is. I have a Facebook friend who's a nurse in Florida, Facebook friend that's a doctor in uh, in Oklahoma, and they're all and and Eugenio actually. I'm also Facebook friends with him, and they're all of them are very pissed off about how people are taking this nonchalantly. My mother's um, been a nurse for over fifty years, and she too. Yeah, uh, Eugenio, great. I've never met him. I have, uh, but you know. He has and a yes, great I sense am bragging because he's a really cool guy. Yeah, he has a great sense of humor. And uh, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. If he notices that I'm feeling like extremely down from my Facebook posts, he uh, offers me words of encouragement privately. 
And uh-huh. um, he's, uh, he's, he's a really, really great, nice guy. However, when it comes to this COVID stuff, I have seen him get angry. And when you see a really nice guy get angry, you know something's going down. Yes. Don't make Eugenio angry. Wear your mask. <laughs> okay. We don't want to see Eugenio angry. We want to see him happy. Because seriously, though, this is the toughest time we've ever had in our life. This is unprecedented. This is almost more than the Spanish flu of 1918 that we got going on here, especially with the disease that's worse than the flu. This isn't the simple flu like some conspiracy sheep will tell you. This is much worse. But um, this is not a medical, science, whatever podcast. We're just going to leave it at that. Wear your masks. Be safe. Be healthy. So anyway. He continues, thank you for continuing to do the podcast. It's something that helped me take my mind off the reality we are living in, if only for a short while. So with that, let me give you my feedback on the two games for today. I'll just go ahead and read them both tonight. Ah, uh, all right. Unless you want to. Do you want to? You want to read one? Well, I, I, want to, I want to take the 720 Degrees one. Okay, that's the first okay. one. So why don't you go ahead and do all that? All right, so first you said 720 Degrees. Skateboarding has never been a thing for In me. Quotes. Uh, so video games that have to do with skateboarding have not really called my attention. That means that I don't have much to say about this game, unfortunately. I did watch a video of it, and the voice in the game reminds me of Gauntlet. Oh, I can see that. Good call. Oh, I have to uh, uh, I have to interject here. <laughs> I've been looking at video game-themed face masks, masks, and I don't have the link for it right now, but somebody is selling a series of Gauntlet ones that say, uh, Wizard needs food badly. <laughs> <laughs> I want one of those. <laughs> nice. Sorry, continue. All right, so the game itself looks nice with its isometric... I can't talk tonight! The game itself looks nice with its isometric graphics, so I may actually want to try... Damn it! So I may actually want to give it a try at some point. I know the NES had a port, but... I'm sorry, I know the NES had a port, but from what I read and from what I saw on YouTube, it falls short when compared to the arcade. Yeah, I didn't like it either from what I saw. Given this is an arcade game by Atari, and the port was made by Tengen, which, that's uh, that's an Atari division, right? That's uh, the home game division of Atari's, uh, Atari Games, which yeah. Atari Games was the arcade uh, company at the time. Yeah, uh, given the port was made by Tengen, that's disappointing. The Game Boy Color also had a port, but that doesn't seem to fare any better. The Atari Lynx had a port in the works, but it was never released. I have to wonder what that would have been like. Yeah, I, t- I have to, yeah, that is, I would love to see what that would have been like if there if there ever was one that was actually playable. I wonder how far along that port was. Yeah, yeah. Because some games are like really far along that they really just need to be put in box and released when they were canceled. Some of them just maybe had an intro screen created before it was canceled. Oh, dude, you know. Uh, speaking of Eugenio not liking skateboarding games, I wonder what he feels about super skateboarding. Oh, God. <laughs> I have never played that. On uh, the 7800, I own I don't it. have it, and I never did put it on one of my uh, Mateos carts. I'll, I'll tell you right now about that game. I bought it because it said skateboarding. When I bought it during the 7800 lifetime, skateboarding was kind of like the cool thing. So I'm like, oh, so skateboarding on it. So I bought it. The only thing it has to do with skateboard is you ride a skateboard. That's it. There's no tricks, no nothing. You're, you're basically riding your skateboard through a factory, turning off lights. Yeah, that's that, I w- that sounds awesome. And once you've solved the game, that's it. There's no harder level. I mean, it's it's everything. There's no randomization between uh, sessions. Everything, you turn the 7800 off, turn it back on, everything's in the same location. So, yeah, it's not a fun game. I don't like uh, it. 
I still want to play it because the whole point is to turn lights off. And the music is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true of so many 7-8. Oh, gosh. It's terrible. It's a horrible game. So Anyway, why don't you tell us what Eugenio is saying about... I suddenly Bongo forgot the other game. Congo. Congo Bongo, yes. Yeah. Congo Bongo, da 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 Congo Bongo. With apologies to Ted Nugent. Never thought I'd ever say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> unlike 720 Degrees, this is a game I have played a lot. This game was available at my local arcade, and I spent quite a few quarters just trying to get past the first screen. I thought it was cool that the game looked 3D, and that was part of the reason I had such a hard time learning to play it did manage to learn to play it, though, and got to the end more than once. Of course, I wanted to play this at home when I had learned it had been ported. I only had the 2600 at the time, so that's the version I bought. I have to say that the 2600 version can be best described as both impressive and an eyesore at the same time. You know what? I think that's a fair assessment. Um, The fact that they were able to simulate the isometric view is impressive, but the game does fall short on the system. I think Sega should have done something like was done for the SG-1000, which totally skipped the isometric view. Regardless, despite the 2600 version having two screens, I played it plenty. When I got in television, I got that port. It looked and sounded better than the 2600 version, but it actually played worse. When I got a 5200, I got that version as well. It definitely looks better than the 2600 and the Intellivision ports, but like those two versions, it only has two screens, so it was disappointing. I played the ColecoVision version on emulation, and that is the best of the versions I have played on retro systems. It has three screens, which alone makes it better. I know the game is unlockable on the Sega Genesis collection on the PSP. Oh, I did not know that. But I've never actually tried to get to it. I should. It can also be found on the Sega Aegis 2500 series volume 23. But good luck finding a copy of that. So that's all for today. Please stay safe. Going to the Final Frontier Gaming. So thank you for your emails as per usual, Eugenio. We appreciate them. And uh, if uh, you have any email you want to send us or an audio clip or whatever, you can... Contact us at the email address that the pretty lady announcer uh, announces at the end of every episode Episode here. So you can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say that because I n- totally always forget the damn email address. It's piefactory at fab4it.com, isn't it? Yeah, and piefactory podcast, podcast. at fab4it.com. We have two the only reason addresses. we have the piefactory podcast one is because I kept saying piefactory podcast when we actually did not have that email address. And so you created yep. that email address. That's it's amazing right. what a few keystrokes can do. So, mm-hmm. okay, now this is the time of the sh- every episode where we announce the theme, and this is the probably the most bizarre theme I have ever heard in my life. You're I did welcome. not come up with this, Sean. You have the floor. Okay, now he- here's the theme. Here's why I decided to. P- th- I I say this is technically Jim's podcast. It was all his idea. Like from, from the beginning, he's like, Hey, let's do a podcast. But I did overexert myself for this by insisting that we put these two (laughs) games together. I'm always good for a theme. And here is the theme. Okay. Now thing is like Congo bongo. Well, what is a bongo? Jimmy G? What is a bongo? It is a pair of little drums that you hold in your hands or on your lap and you play them like Ricky Ricardo. Well, I think he, what he was playing was more of a conga, though. That's but, true. He yeah, was. But I yeah, think he bongo, did pick up the a bongo, bongo every now like and then. The little, the little drum, and there are the usually two of them yeah. connected. So that's two little circular instruments. Yes. How many degrees are there in one circle? 
360. And since a pair of bongos, ha- bongos usually come in two, that's 720. Yes, it's a math-based theme. You're welcome. I never said thank you. <laughs> I don't care. I'm, I am welcoming you regardless of whether you're grateful. But I am not grateful. But anyway, um, before we mention what the next episode's games are going to be for episode 115, uh, we should thank some people who have been very kind to us uh, with their Patreon sponsorship, who have made this podcast and some equipment upgrades for us possible. We thank you guys so much and gals. Uh, Thank you to Richard Valdez, Rory Coleman, Steve Steiner, Greg at the SNES podcast. Thank you, Tim Foley, my fellow hometown person. Timmy Mack, thank you. Underground Retrocade, thank you. Oh, I got to get back out there soon. Safely, of course. Um, thank you, Air Shack and Art Guglielmo. Thank you, Atari Bytes. Thanks, Christian Williams and D. Alex, whom I finally got to meet. Uh, Franco Dragon, thank you. Keith Sheehan, thank you. Kurt Musgrave, Kyle Adder, Lance Andries, Mark Super, Mike Hat and Jay. Nate, Nate? No, I hope, well, I, no, no, don't take that as a request, Nate. Uh, Nate Lockhart, New Balance Stores Phoenix, PJ Steele, and of course, thank you to Richard Grounds. And yes, if you, thank you would like to be added to that list and uh, help us out a little bit, uh, the uh, information is uh, given, I believe, by our booth announcer. Our lovely lady announcer. So anywho, thank you all again, and thank you all for listening who uh, who are not on that list. Thank you for listening anyway. Um, and G- the games G- what? for Oh, you were episode. about to say something, please? Yes, our games for the next episode yes. are... Oh, sh- I closed the uh, spreadsheet. Hold on. Ah. We can't put the Danger Death Ray love theme here because we have the happy L going on yeah. right now. Okay, let's scroll down the list here. <laughs> yes, for the next episode, episode 115, the games we'll be playing are... May I have the envelope, please? All right. Thank you. Astro Invaders. Astro Invaders. And Space Zap. Space Zap. Yay. Yay, it's a couple of space games. Yay. Yay. So. Damn it, you gave away the it. theme already. Oh, shoot. Well, hey, that means we don't have to record the next episode, so yay. Oh, well, there we go. There we go. So with that, we will say good evening, and uh, or morning, or t- happy tea time, I guess, if that's what you celebrate. Uh, and if you don't, well, go make yourself some tea, I guess. I don't know. So at any rate, once again, this is uh, Jimmy G. And this is Green and Bubbling Sean in Chicago. We'll talk to you again in three-ish weeks. Three-ish weeks. Yeah. Ta. Ta Ta-ta. So long. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is the Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Adenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goble. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Support the show at Patreon.com slash PieFactoryPodcast. I called him over and I said, hey, I'm, I'm done. I think I, I, beat, uh, I beat Dan now. And uh, he walks over. He said, yeah, you also beat James. I was like, wait, James? So yeah, James White. I was like, oh, surf. Sure.
You know, if I think really hard, I could remember my first pair of shoes. Mm. Mama said they was my magic shoes. It's got to be from something. Forrest Gump. Oh, okay. I was thinking of the jerk. Yeah. <laughs>